for the Kenai. I'm here today with Jen Waller, the founder of Freedom House in Soldatna. How are you doing today, Jen? Super cool to be here with you. Yes, good morning, everybody. It is good to be here. So I uh, have heard about Freedom House for a little bit now. However, I did not know a lot about it. I was able to kind of get to walk through today and I did a little bit of uh, perusing the website and it seems like this is a super cool opportunity for people and a super cool service as well as very needed. Um, Jen, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, um, where you grew up? How did you kind of think, like, how did Freedom House come to your mind? Yes, absolutely. I actually was born and raised here in Soldatna. I actually graduated Skyview High School in 2001, so I'm definitely a local girl. And uh, being raised out of six kids, we were raised in the church. We knew um, I knew all of the Bible stories, but of course, when you become an adult, you make your own choices. And I um, started making the wrong choices. I call marijuana the gateway drug. Growing up saying I was never going to do drugs, I was never going to drink in the 10th grade. Um, I let my guard down and I tried marijuana for the first time. And it really was just a door that I opened um, that eventually led me to full-on addiction to hardcore drugs and alcohol. Um, pain pills was my drug of choice. Of course, heroin, anything really we could get our hands on. But it really started with just um, letting my guard down and thinking I was going to do this on the weekends. And then it turned into a physical addiction that I could not stop. I mean, I graduated high school with a 4.0. That's, yeah. I, I love life. I was a good, like a good yeah. girl. I really yeah. was. And I, I didn't like to rock the boat. I was, you know, in my eyes, you, my parents might say something different, <laughs> but I was a pretty good kid. Sure, sure. <laughs> didn't cause too much chaos. And it really turned me in from a happy-go-lucky, cheerful girl to hopeless, defeated, drug-addicted daughter, wife, mother. Um, this My addiction lasted almost 10 years. Um, so from when you were 15? Si about 16. So about 26. Yes, okay. correct. Yeah. And in that 10 years, I had overdosed at least five times. Those were hospital visits. You know, I would find myself in the ER with heart attack symptoms at the age of 21 and the doctors were trying to figure out, you know, why a seemingly healthy young woman was having these symptoms and I wasn't telling them because I was crushing and snorting and smoking every pill I could get my hands sure. on. Um, I just didn't want to die. So I was just right. there to try to get help. And um, this just continued on for so long. Um, I ended up having a beautiful daughter in the midst of my addiction. Um, my mom and my sister were helping raise her because I was a mess. Um, at 21, I went to my first inpatient rehab. Uh, my dad had got online, you know, they knew I was a mess and found one in Phoenix, Arizona. Sure. Basically, he offered it to me because he had found out I was stealing from him. Sure. I was stealing from my parents to get my next fix because when I quit doing Oxycontin, they were going for $140 for one pill. Wow. And so yeah. think of someone that's not working, yeah. that's fully physically dependent on these um, drugs. You know, I did things that I said I would never do to get that next fix. And it really just um, ran and ruled my life. Literally, I was a slave to drugs. Absolutely. Yeah. And so um, he approached me and said... How old were you when you had your kid? Well, I got pregnant at 18. I had her when I was 19. Okay. Um, and yep, okay. so I'm... Get offered, Jen, either you're going to this rehab or I'm going to turn you in, was my dad's words. Yeah. And so in my mind at 21. Kind of some tough love. <laughs> yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And looking back, man, he <laughs> had a lot of soft love too because sure. I would have, I was stealing his patience. checks and yeah. forging his name, you know, like uh, I was legally breaking the law. Yeah. Like, and so he ended up flying me to Phoenix. I went through a detox there in the heart of Phoenix in this little yeah. small town, Alaska girl. Oh, wow. It was an experience sure. to um, be in this detox center, but then get transported right over to an inpatient rehab for 30 days. I graduated that, moved to Ohio because I knew I didn't want to come back here to Soldatna area where everyone that I knew, you know, weren't making good choices. My daughter was two at the time, moved to Ohio with my grandparents. Um, I was just able to white knuckle 30 days clean just because I didn't really know anyone or anything, but I got a job working at a factory, 
met the wrong people and we started, you know, the same pill that was going for $140 here in Soldatna was going for $40 sure. there in Ohio. And yeah. so it was like, oh my gosh. So unfortunately, um, I just wasn't ready yet. I hadn't surrendered. Looking back, I can tell you what mm-hmm. was wrong, but... So got back into my addiction, met this man at my job that um, we started dating. And after nine months of dating, we got engaged and got married really right away. And he had a son, I had a daughter. um, And then I'm fully in my addiction. My husband was not an addict. Mm -hmm. Um, He's what we call a normie. You know, (laughs) he can have one beer and walk away. I didn't know what that was like. You know, we'd have barbecues and I'd have to have all six of the beers, you know, and snorting Xanax and everything else sure. till I passed out. And yeah. and he, he didn't understand that. Um, but anyways, this pretty much after we got married, I woke up one day and I'm just a mess. But I was like, I don't want to live in Ohio anymore. I want to move to Alaska, back where my family is. And um, he sold everything he had. He, um, as you'll hear throughout my story, is just an amazing guy that God created and designed just for me. But um, we moved to Alaska in 06. Found out I was pregnant pretty much right away, but I'm fully in my addiction again, guys. And and the only way that I can talk about stuff like this is because I have been redeemed, mm-hmm. is because I have been restored, and that God has truly forgiven me for this, this past stuff. But throughout my addiction... Um, with my pregnancy with our son, you know, my husband would plead and beg because I had, I had had a miscarriage at this point. Just the guilt and the shame just fuels our addiction. Sure. And it makes us want to not feel, makes us want to numb out. Um, and that's what drugs and alcohol do. All it does is it kills you emotionally, spiritually, mentally, and unfortunately, some physically. Mm-hmm. You know, it only takes away. Addiction will never give right. life. It will yeah. only take away And so um, I ended up having our son um, in 2007, thankfully healthy, eight and a half pound baby boy. Um, And then my addiction continued for about two more years. Um, Me and my husband had been married for four years at the time, um, and we had decided to call it quits. He had been trying to raise the kids, work full-time job, all the while I am just a mess fully in my addiction. And so... In my mind, I thought, well, this will be good if we get a divorce because then I can really party how I want to without being tied down. And those are the lies from the enemy that I was believing. Um, So basically what had happened is my last use, I had done a lot of black tar heroin. My sister had my kids at the time. She thought I was, you know, doing recovery related meetings because I'd already been to two rehabs at this point locally here at Serenity. I went through. I was able to stay sober for nine months after that time, which was the longest. I was clean my whole adult life. But as you'll hear in the recovery community, you're only as sick as your secrets. And there were secrets that I was not willing to to expose, to bring to the light, to work through with my sponsor or to work through with God. And it just kept me sick. And so I ended up drinking and alcohol absolutely is a drug if you are an addict or in recovery. You know, in my mind, heroin pills, all that stuff was my drug of choice. So I rationalized that I'm just going to have a beer. Yeah, you're not in your drug of choice. So, (laughs) I mean, is it really that bad? Right. Absolutely. And so being an addict, I went to get one beer, right? That's all I was going to have. But I didn't just get, you know, a 12-ounce beer. I got a 40. A 40. Yeah. Yeah, sure. (laughs) It was like called Colt 45 or something. And I'm a real lightweight anyways. And so... Drinking this one beer, I was wasted, you know, within 15 minutes and looking for drugs within, yeah. the, within the hour of mm-hmm. nine months clean and sober. And so that um, spun me out on my last relapse cycle. And I was out there for about three months. And I finally showed up at my sister's house in an overdose state, you know, throwing up, not being able to breathe. And she kind of swooped me up and took me to Serenity and was because she knew I was doing outpatient through them. And so she was like what should I do with her? Basically, should I take her to the hospital? And the director happened to be there at the office at that time. And she said, Jen, can you be here in the morning with your bags packed? If you can be here at 10 a.m., we're going to get you right in. Okay. And so... Um, kind of a small miracle. Yes. Large miracle. In my mind, it was miracle. a miracle yeah. because I know it's usually I mean, six to eight yeah. weeks waiting That's or whatever. Right. It's not normally a be here in the morning, we'll get you in. We'll thing. get you in. Sure. Wow. And so... Okay. Um, but you got to remember, man, I was 
hopeless because I knew I had already been there. I'd already yeah, been to two sure. rehabs. I'm thinking, what what's going to be different this time? And actually, my husband, we had filled out divorce papers. He was moving back to Ohio with the kids. You know, I absolutely was not fit to be a mother. Um, and so... I had nothing to live for at this point. I was thinking, why? Why go back to a rehab when obviously I can't stay sober? And so that morning I took a handful of pills, blood pressure, I mean, pills I don't take. I found um, some blood pressure medicine, all kinds of weird stuff. And I chased it with Crown Royal whiskey because my husband was dropping me off at the intake office and I did not want to live anymore. I didn't think there was hope. and, And so I took those pills and got... Um, taken out to Serenity House Rehab and you know those next three days were a blackout to me but I did not die God woke me up so that was June 26 is my sobriety birthday 2009 so I took the pills on the 25th but June 26 is my sobriety birthday but it was June 28th three days later when I woke up in that rehab and I got on my knees and I raised my arms and I literally surrendered my life to Jesus like there I knew that if I wanted to live and not die I I had to make this full surrender no holding back like that secret that you wanted me to work through and deal with I'm doing it because I want to live and I don't want to die and as soon as you anyone out there listening that might be in addiction the moment you realize that you could be free is when freedom starts sure and that moment I realized once I surrender, I could be free. I wasn't free instantly. Right. That I could be free, freedom started for me, for my journey, for my life. And so that was actually this month. I'm celebrating nine years clean and sober, wow. not a drip of alcohol, drop a drug. Congrats. Yes. That's a long time. <laughs> I Super know. impressive. I know. It seems like um, just yesterday, but nine years is awesome. Almost as yeah. long as I was in my addiction. So I'm wow. coming up You're on. matching it. Yes, on the other side. So in the meantime, getting sober, you know, I did 90 meetings in 90 days, intensive outpatient counseling. I was in with Serenity um, doing that outpatient for nine months, graduated that program, did parenting classes, learned how to become a mom because when you've used for so long and you all of a sudden wake up sober, which I do have to tell you, God has restored our marriage, so the divorce papers were shredded and burned, and God has restored mine and my husband's wow. relationship. That's we awesome. just celebrated 12 years of being married. Um, we have had another child out of my addiction, awesome. and so we awesome. have a total of four beautiful children together and whatnot. But through this last eight and a half years, I right away I knew that I wanted to spread the hope Um, that I have found. And so I got into prison ministry within that first year, um, hospital ministry, rehab ministry. Um, Throughout the state of Alaska, God just has really put a fire in my heart for our whole state. I know that we lead the nation in everything bad, basically suicide to drug addiction, domestic violence. And I know the root cause, you know, that everyone has a hole inside of them that they're trying to fill they're trying to numb out they're trying to find what can fill that void and you know what i found and what i preach is that it's jesus he is the only thing the only person that can fill that void inside of us not sex drugs and rock and roll none of that will fulfill that void and so i get to um, travel the state and go on missions trips and go to these villages which uh, man once you get off the road system in alaska it's pretty (laughs) much like third world country stuff yeah Um, it's pretty amazing the places god has taken me and let me share my his story my testimony of freedom and deliverance i became the female chaplain here at Wildwood. Um, It's been probably four years ago now. Um, I've been doing prison ministry for six or seven years and a couple years into being the chaplain and going into the dorms and praying with these women and just sharing the hope. I was just seeing the need for a home for when they get out of prison or um, when people get out of rehab. Thankfully, I was blessed when I got sober. You know, my husband was a normal person, so we had a normie. house. Yes, yeah, you had a normie, normie waiting for you. <laughs> so yeah. I had a house, a home to go sure. to. But um, I know a lot of people don't, or they don't have supportive family, or they don't have family, you know, just all different walks of life coming out of addiction. But what really got to me um, one day after Bible study, a woman came up to me and with tears in her eyes, she was asking me, Jen, 
Do you know where I can go when I get out of jail? I'm getting out of prison tomorrow. I've been clean for 90 days. I've been in here for 90 days. And I know that if I go back to where I came from, which is her old dope dealer's house, I'm going to relapse. Sure. I have nowhere else to go. It's 20 below zero outside. I can't, you know, pitch a tent. Um, and I had to look at this beautiful woman and tell her no, that yeah. I didn't know where she can go. There was nowhere for you to go tomorrow. And and that just was devastating to me. You know, I drove home. I live out in Sterling, so it's like a 45-minute drive from the prison. And I just remember praying the whole way home and asking God, you know, what can what can I do for these women? Because this sucks to tell them no. Right. Yeah. You know, you're making all these good choices, good job, but there's nowhere for you to go to get yeah. discipled and to get mentored and mm-hmm. whatnot. And so long story short, God just laid on my heart that he wanted me to be basically... Okay, you see a problem, you see a need here, Jen. That's what I've created you for. That's what my church is for. The body of Christ as a whole is to see the need and be my hands and feet and make this happen. So I remember writing in my prayer journal on February 1st. It said, I think God wants me to open a women's home. 2016. 2016. Yes. Okay. And so it just started as um, a prompting in my spirit. You know, I don't hear a loud thundering voice of God. Now, I'm not saying he can't talk like that, but he doesn't normally. It was just in my heart. I just knew that um, he was saying, Jen, I want you to do this. And so never being part of a nonprofit, I've never been on a board, had no idea how any of that operates. Um, I just got online and I started doing some research and I started looking up across the state of Alaska Um, other faith-based transitional homes and um, reached out to the directors and kind of shared my heart and vision. So then I got to travel to Juneau and the Valley and up in Anchorage and tour um, these faith-based homes that were already working. Some of them have been open for years. Others were new. Um, But just go see what was already working in our state. And then my plan was to kind of bring that back to Soldatna, you know, and tweak it a little bit for our community because every community in Alaska is unique. Yeah, a little bit different. Totally, a little bit different. So I was just kind of taking their baseline and then we tweaked it a little bit to kind of form our community here. That was the calling and the start of Freedom House. So yeah, I want to know about about Freedom House and about how this came to be. And I think I'm getting a perfectly great idea of how that kind of personally grown out of your experience out of 10 years of really a struggle and a fight and a really a great blessing to get back into serenity house and just one day i really liked what you said that addiction never really gives life it can kind of take away maybe some parts of areas of life that you don't think you really want to but it seems like maybe how you're saying like to numb some parts, you end up kind of numbing and stripping almost the entirety of anything that's really yes. worth living for. That's been sticking with me since you said that. Yes. And, and I think it's awesome. I think it takes a ton of courage, a ton of really guts to be like, I'm going to go start this house. Like I didn't have anywhere, you know, I think a lot of people they're like, yeah, it's tough. This person didn't have anywhere to go, but you know, eventually kind of can kind of distance themselves from that. You know, like, yeah, that's a problem. But I mean, there are a lot of problems in this world. I can't fix them all. You know, hopefully something comes around. Hopefully she finds a place to stay, but that's not the direction that you took. Yes. You took the one that's really hard, I think. You yep. know, I'm like kind of over, just sitting here kind of like like getting a little daunted, you know, literally a little daunted. Like, yes. oh, wow. Like I can kind of picture like, I guess I'm going to start a house like where people can live and find a relationship with God and yeah. like enter into a new world of life, you of know, freedom. of freedom. Yes. That's so, yes. no, I, I'm loving this. It's super Super interesting. and Oh, and it only gets better. Yeah. <laughs> there is just miracle after miracle that has happened from that point. So so you, you write in your journal, February yes. 1st, 2016, kind of, I want to do this. Some but I of... was scared. Right. So yeah. for two months, so all of February and March, I didn't tell anybody about it. I sure. really, it was just between me and my journal yeah. and God just kept nudging, kept nudging. And so two months later, I thought, um, I have an amazing background of pastors that have been huge parts of my recovery, my journey, my discipleship, five pastors that I can call. I have, you know, personal 
cell phone numbers. So I called all five of them and I thought, okay, I'm going to go meet with these pastors that have poured into my life and I'm going to tell them what I feel like God's calling me to do. And my mind was saying, they're going to tell you you're crazy. You're crazy. Don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> or yeah. at least not yet, you know, like maybe Make way down the road. Yeah. yeah, sure. And I'm like, okay, so I set these meetings up. I go and I meet um, most of them physically. Some I had to call, but we meet, we discuss it. And every single one of the pastors said, not only are you the person for this job, but we're behind you. We got your back. Jump. Do it now. Yeah. And so I was like, well, that didn't quite work out how I thought. Sure. Yeah, now I really got to <laughs> do it. Now I got to do yeah. it. And so I had the support from the beginning, and then I reached out to people I've been in ministry with in the prison for a while. We formed a board, um, a nonprofit. Our very first meeting was June of that year in the parking lot of a church um, sure. with folding chairs. And we just sat in the parking lot and kind of, what will this home look like? What will it be? And then I started for a couple of months just driving around Soldatna. I knew it had to be in, it was going to be in Soldatna. I knew it had to be in the heart of town because the majority of our women aren't going to have vehicles. They're not going to have driver's license. Right. And in order to be in compliance, you know, we have a pretty um, big program here that they have to do. And so they've got to get a job within 30 days. They have to be in their um, outpatient programming, whether it's through Knightsy, Serenity, Cicada, Aquila, you know, we have all these programs, so they have to be in compliance with that. They've got to come to devotions three days a week here at the house. We do a Tuesday night chapel um, that's required, a house dinner we do once a week. They have doctor's appointments, so I knew the location was key. Right. Had to yeah. be where they can either walk, bike, or a cab, would, you know, wouldn't be too much because they're not going to have anything sure. coming in, and so... Drive in the back streets of Soldata for a couple months and just pray and like, God, show me which house, you know, highlight which house. And long story short, where we're located on Shady Lane here in Soldatna, um, this building used to be a daycare for 17 years and then it sat empty for seven years. And PCHS actually bought it and they were going to turn it into a transitional living center. Exactly what we had. Right, yeah. <laughs> but for seven years, they paid the payment, the mortgage on it, and because it was about a half a million dollars renovation for wow. the city to open it, they decided after seven years of making a payment, we don't want it anymore, we're going to give the building back to the owner. Well, that's when the owner contacted me and said, hey, I heard you're looking for a, a spot for Freedom House. I've got this 5,000 square foot building, it's huge, there's meeting rooms, there's all these bedrooms, and she said... Um, that she has a son, a child in addiction and that she heard what Freedom House was going to be. So she said, I'm willing to sell it to you guys for what they paid it down to, oh, okay. which was like an amazing price. Sure. So I come over and I look at the building and the word on the street, before I even got here, people were saying, Jen, don't even go look at it. The word on the street is that it's too damaged. It's too broken. The foundation's rotted. The roof's going to give. Um, it's got mold in it. Like, we just need to tear that building down. It's definitely not inhabitable, and especially because you don't have any money to completely transform it. And as those words were being spoken over the building, I just seen a picture of my life, a snapshot of me getting dropped off by my husband, trying to end my life with those pills and whiskey of hopeless, broken, addicted, defeated you know, mm -hmm. dirty yeah. woman that I was and what God has done and transformed my life into, I knew that this was going to be Freedom House. Sure. I knew yeah. because yeah. they were saying it's too broken. I was like, we have yeah. to do it. Like, yeah. this is it. Because God wants to take something broken, dirty, and messed up. You walked through this yeah, place. It's, it's like a five-star. Super beautiful. Everything's brand new from yeah. the flooring to yeah. the paint to the furniture. I mean, this place, God has just literally transformed. So we buy the building for $250,000 as is. Mm. City inspector came over and said, Jen, to get these doors open, it's going to need about $450,000 in renovations. Jeez. Wow. <laughs> Seven hundred. I mean, three, okay, so like three quarters of a million dollars yeah. is what we were looking at. And then you have Freedom House. And then I wasn't it's, even thinking yeah, about like operations. Yeah. yeah. So I I literally three days before I had an appointment to sign the papers because once I signed the dotted line, it's our building, moldy, broken, yeah. whatever. And I knew we couldn't open until all of the requirements were met. And so. 
I didn't sleep for three days. I couldn't eat. You know, I am a human, but I knew that God was saying, go, that mm-hmm. this is my house. That, And again, it wasn't loud. I didn't see writing in the sky. I literally had to walk by faith mm-hmm. and not by sight, just like his word tells us that if we take that next baby step, he's going to lay the next step out for you. And that's kind of what I did this whole journey. I remember waking up in the middle of the night before I had to sign the papers and I like woke up my husband and I was like, Danny, like we got to just pack up, get the kids. We got to go to Mexico. We got to yeah. get out of town. Out. Yeah. And I was like, I am in way over my head. Yeah. Like this is yeah. scary. <laughs> sure. And so um, I signed the paper, me and my six year old at the time went in and signed the papers to um, take ownership of the property. The owner co-signed to where, because we had no money down. Right. We had no money to get. All I had to give these people was a vision, was, yeah, yeah. <laughs> was my my dream, you know, yeah, and a lot yeah. of people's dreams don't quite come to pass. Don't quite, yeah, don't, yeah. So she took a huge leap of faith by wow. allowing us to take this building with no money down sure. and... Um, the bank gave us a super good payment plan. But anyway, so we signed the papers December 17th of 2016. So okay. God spoke to me in February. That December, yeah, December we signed the papers. Yeah. They figured it would take us three to five years to make this building um, up to city code to open if we had money is what the inspection report said. Yeah. And we had $800 in our bank account when I signed the papers. And 400 plus thousand dollars of... Renovations. renovations correct okay. so, so so that doesn't you know i'm a college dropout yeah. but i can tell you the math didn't yeah, add up sure, sure. wasn't quite adding up but i knew i'm still doing prison ministry and rehab ministry and and i personally had loved ones in addiction still fighting and mm-hmm. so i was not going to back down until there was no more to pull from and i'm trying to just fight on the front lines because God has saved me from the darkness. And I feel like sometimes he saves us from the darkness to send us back in. Sure. To help those that are trapped, that are lost, that are hurting in the darkness. And so that's all that was on my mind is, you know, he has rescued me and saved me and I got to get back in there and help those that are still lost. And so it was in December you had signed. Correct. So I start doing these volunteer work days. I start going around to churches and sharing my vision and my testimony. And um, God just opened the doors to about 20 churches, which is um, pretty amazing, wow. all the way yeah, from Homer to Seward to Moose Pass and everywhere in between. They would just welcome me in and I'd get to speak and then they would um, take a love offering. So we started getting money coming in, um, volunteers. There was one work day, we had over 30 volunteers show up. Wow. There was so many volunteers, I had to very nicely ask a half a dozen of them to leave because like we couldn't tear down walls because there was people Too everywhere. people in the way, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what? This problem is awesome to have but seriously either go hang out outside or yeah um, and so we were just inundated what we found because we had um, login sheets sign in and out we logged mm-hmm. all our volunteers but we had over 500 volunteers in this home we had brought in the lord had brought in over a hundred thousand dollars cash to help pay for materials and stuff for the project for the renovations but in just four and a half months we signed papers december the end of April, that same city inspector was standing here, handing me my permit of occupancy to open the doors of Freedom House. Guys, we completed, like this still is amazing to me, $400,000 of our renovations in four months. And you were originally told three to five years if you already had had $400,000. Correct, yes. And so God just showed himself so big through all of the volunteers, through Um, Our board, we have a board of eight members that has just got to witness this whole journey. And so we opened the doors of Freedom House May 1st of 2017, last year. So we just... just, A little over a year. Yes. We just had our one year anniversary. And honestly, the miracles that I have witnessed, I'm going to try not to cry because say... You know, we couldn't pay our bills next month and the bank had to repo the home and we had to shut the doors of Freedom House tomorrow. Yeah. In the one year that we have been open, the lives that I have seen change. The mar- You know, when I opened this, I knew we were going to help women. Right. But I had no idea that we were going to see whole families 
be restored. Marriages be restored right. that were like done when they come in. Yeah. And then you add God to the equation and he just shakes up everything that the world says can't be done. Kids being restored to their mamas, like these families that we have seen and then watch them successfully go back out into our local community and be productive members of society. Yeah. It's, it's mind blowing that I get to wake up and come to the miracle every day. Yeah. And I get to see the miracle. Yeah, it is kind of living. You get to see people become free again. It sounds like what you said before, how you were broken and lost and you, you know, became put back together and found. And then this home was broken and too damaged. And now it's put together. Yes. And not only are people becoming free, but it also sounds like there's like a really a constant story of restoration that's yes. continually, continually coming around. Yeah. Yes. So in this last year, you have had, we've had six 20, beds, right? Yeah. So we have six beds, but in the last year we've had 20, I think we're at 26 intakes, meaning wow. 26 women. Um, and then unfortunately, you know, addiction is a beast. I wish it was super simple, cut and right. dry. They come in, they leave fixed. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. we have a zero tolerance policy for drugs and alcohol. My number one focus is that this home is safe, safe. and secure, sure. period. Sure. All of our staff are in recovery as well. So myself in recovery, I choose not to be around drugs and alcohol. You bring it in the home, you're going to be dismissed instantly sure. type of deal. Yeah. So we've had about six dismissals. Also, we have a strike policy. So not all of those were relapses, but basically the girls um, say they're, they're late for curfew. Everyone sure. has curfew. Sure. They'll get a strike. So three strikes and you're out. However, they can earn back a strike if they go two weeks without getting a strike. You know, so yeah. it's really choices and consequences, yeah, choices yeah. and consequences, because yeah. that's what we're trying to break, you know, that the old behaviors and habits. And that's worked really well because they'll realize, oh, they're serious. Yeah. You know, they're going to follow through. And also I can earn the strike back, you know, right. type of deal. So yeah. it seems to work very well, even with the six dismissals, three of those dismissals. Have already come back. come back. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was gonna and ask. They're, yes, I imagine they've some already come are like, back. You know, that was another one is in the process slipped, yeah. of trying to get back. You know, because we're not a rehab, we're right. not a homeless shelter. We are a we call it a long term recovery residence. So okay. our goal is girls coming out of rehab or coming out of jail, you know, to where they're already clean and sober because we're not staffed with counselors. You know, we sure. literally are just providing that safe housing for women that want long-term recovery sure. type of deal. And so... So um, it might be a little bit case-by-case case kind of thing. Do you have like a number of days of sobriety that you look for? Do you kind of look for like maybe a mixture of days as well as like an attitude of staying clean? Or what does that look like? Yeah, so basically my drug test. It we do random test. UAs and breathalyzers at any okay. time, but also like to get through the doors, the hurdles they have to jump through is, you know, fill out the application, but basically pass a drug test to, we have a $200 a month housing fee okay. that they pay. And then um, prescription meds, they just can't be on. We have a house doctor that goes over all of our medication lists. So if they're on certain medications that you know, or narcotic or that will right. trigger someone else. We're just not the house for them because right. we have to keep this place safe. Yeah. Well, let's get into our success stories. I know we were talking about sure. dismissals, yeah. but yeah. Um, we have seen so many women successfully transition, not only back in the community, but into their families. And one girl that's actually still currently living here that has given me um, permission to share a little bit of her story cool. um, is that she came to us. She had got arrested for a DUI. She had her infant in the car with her. So CS takes baby. Sure. She goes to jail. She had drank two fifths of vodka on this. It was a relapse type okay. thing. So yeah. she is, we're talking two sheets to the wind. And they yeah. only held her at jail for 12 hours because it okay. was her first um, offense. And so long story short, she went from jail, still wasted to her house Mm -hmm. um, loaded a gun, mm -hmm. stuck it in her mouth and was going to blow her head off. Yeah. She was done with life. She yeah. knew now her baby, her only thing she had was gone. Um, again, just deep, dark hopelessness. Sure. I get a phone call from a gentleman. I had spoke at a church in Homer. He, of someone that heard me speak and he said, Hey, I've got this girl. I need to bring her over to you. She's a mess. That's all, you know, usually I get the mess. <laughs> They're yeah. a mess. And it's yeah. like, okay, bring them in and we'll see what we can do. Cause 
even if they I can't move them in here, I'm going to help them navigate their way to freedom, whether that's getting them into serenity, into detox, into another um, rehab home. Like I, I do all my help yeah, with all that. Coordinate so that's what I figured we were going to do with her. Sure. Will she come in just sitting where you're at? Vodka like literally was blasting me back sure. in my a chair. Slight buzz. Yeah. <laughs> She's crying and snotting and just saying she really just wanted to know. She kept saying, Jenny, do you think that there's hope for me through yeah. the tears, through the yeah. snot? Do you think that there's hope? Sure. And I was able to grab her cheeks and look her in the eyes and say, absolutely there is hope and freedom and so she filled out an application there because she still had alcohol in her system i couldn't move her in so i told her she had to go sleep it off and that next morning um she was able to move in she was able to blow zeros on the breathalyzer and this girl so she's been here almost seven months now um she's our senior resident she is doing amazing she's graduated a parenting class um the court lets her keep her baby here at freedom house four days a week wow so we have a baby living here which has been awesome for all the other mothers in the home um she's gets to be his mama and then dad has him the other days but she's getting ready to graduate treatment through kanitsi she has a job she said for the first time like a legal job you know and um, she is just so full of joy so full of life and I get to see miracles like this. And it's hard work. Yeah. Oh, um, my gosh. It is hard work yeah. to not wake up and use and just run from, you know, we got a lot of rules and yeah. a lot of stuff that they have to follow through with. And for these girls, I tell them almost every day they are warriors. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. gosh. They are warriors because they are, number one, waking up sober, but they're facing their demons head yeah. on. The cool thing about Freedom House is they've got an army right here with them you know they are not fighting alone we go to war and prayer teach them the word man these are our bullet verses we have a memorized scripture because just because you put the bottle down or the drug down doesn't mean the enemy ain't going to be there to tempt you to try to get you back in so we have to fight him with the word of god and so we just had this scripture memory challenge and we had them memorize three script. If they wanted, they want a coffee card, $20 coffee card. So, of course, sure. everyone's like, yes! Yeah, we got this. <laughs> and so I'm thinking, give them two weeks to memorize it because it's hard for me to memorize scripture. And sure. so we gave them like a two-week time period to memorize these three verses. And I'm not even kidding you, 24 hours. My first guy come in yesterday and my girl standing at the office door spouting off these scriptures that she had memorized the night before winning the coffee card. But that is our goal and our key to give them tools to go back out because we know that the enemy has come to kill, steal, and destroy. But the end of that verse says, but I, Jesus, have come to give life and to give it abundantly. And if we can help in any way, to give abundant life to these women yeah. makes it all worth it. And it sounds like you have to many at this yes. point. Because out of like one really brave, probably very trying and constantly daunting piece of work, you have been able to create a house where people can come and truly find freedom. Like it sounds like they come here, they come to Freedom House, and it's, you said, transitional. So that means they get to stay, I think you said, for nine months, right? Yep, up to nine months. Okay. Yep, but case by case, a lot of them don't need nine months. Sure. You know, a lot of them need less, and so it's just kind of what they need, but up to nine months, yes. Okay. I knew I was going to come here, and we were going to talk about Freedom House, and so I was online, and it said that you guys were about... $59,000 away from $459,000 of funds raised, and this is what we're going to do with it. One was a new roof. Another one was a 17 parking space lot paved, and and the other one was two ramps, I believe, for uh, wheelchair, handicap accessible. And I came here, and there was some heavy equipment in the back, so I thought, whoa, the paving's already started. But... That's not the case. You're not getting out the paving materials, right? Correct. No, Um, we... Why is that? Because I know we talked about it, but I think it's super awesome. Yes. Okay, so we have about a 1,000 square feet of a... We call it our Hope Wing, and it's completely disconnected from the residential side of Freedom House. And that was going to be commercial office spaces that we were going to rent out so we could have some monthly income. Sure. Correct, because... 
We have not got a single penny from the state government. Um, we have not got one grant from the beginning. When I say we completed 400,000, that is um, no grant money, no funding federally. And then also we're operating at about at a $9,000 a month budget. So to literally from start to end every 30 days, yeah. we gotta have nine grand coming in. Yeah. And, and if you do the math, each girl pays 200 a month housing fee. Right, we have five six beds are full. <laughs> So I mean, that's that's, like that's twelve hundred. That's not even our mortgage payment. Right. Yeah. And so no. that also, you know, we want to start holding them accountable and making them realize, oh, you got to pay for a shelter and for whatnot. So it's really just uh, something to help, but it does help offset some bills. But so this this commercial office wing, I seen the need as these girls were getting better. We've been open a year. Um, and they're getting their kiddos back, what we're realizing is we have to dismiss them from Freedom House because we're not set up over here to house children. Um, and so I went to my board with this new vision, hey, can we turn that thousand square feet into two unit apartment um, so that there's at least an option for the moms with kids that are getting their kids back from you know state custody that they can live up there for a certain amount of time to help transition, you know, we'll still drug test them ran randomly, you know, accountability is huge right. in recovery. Yeah. If they know, you know what, Jen not only cares, but she's gonna be making me yeah. pee in a cup for her to hold yeah. me accountable. Yeah. That's huge in, yeah. in recovery and so. On the one hand, it seems like that is some accountability. On that same note, it seems also like that's kind of support as well. Absolutely. You know, if somebody's taking that time, this kind of, hold somebody accountable and hold them responsible and check in with them. It also kind of says, I care, it seems like. Absolutely. Yes. And like I said, a lot of these women don't have family, supportive family, sisters. One girl was just telling me, crying in the office the other day, I've never had sisters like sure. I do yeah. now. And well. it's just such a joy to get to hug and, and tell her that we love her and she's a warrior bride and what not. So that's our hope with this. The hope wing is um, to offer a, a safe spot for mamas getting transitioned back with the, their kids. So with changing that from commercial to residential, we now no longer have to have 17 paved parking spots, which just the parking lot was about $50,000. Wow. Yeah. Lots of money. Yeah. So now that we don't have to have that, um, we're turning, we have a this lot, it's a city lot, but it's huge. And so our whole backyard um, gets to now be a backyard. We yeah. actually, that's what the equipment was doing, spreading topsoil. They brought in a bunch of gravel first and then a bunch of topsoil and we're getting it sprayed with hydroseed on Monday so we can have a lawn and a fire pit and we got cornhole games to set up back there just so that um, the girls living here and then soon the families living upstairs, the moms and kids, um, will have a safe fenced in backyard that they can continue to grow and be free in. That's... The roof still does need done. Um, yeah. That's one thing that we still need to raise a little bit of money for. Um, we still need to fix our wheelchair ramp out front. We got to put tow guards and rails up um, to be legal. So we're operating on what they call a provisional permit, meaning we can open the doors, but we have a certain amount of time to finish um, things that have to be done sure. um, yeah. to make it completely legal. So we're still fundraising, of course, and looking for monthly partners. If you feel like, if you feel led, our website, if you want to check it out, we got a pretty awesome website, but the address is Freedom House 907. Dot com, And um, if you feel like sewing into this ministry or being part of, we're always looking for volunteers, mm -hmm. too, to cook on our Tuesday night meals because that's the one night a week that we provide a meal for Freedom House, which really the community provides because sure. what we do is we have volunteers sign up. And so you bring all of the ingredients. Say you're making lasagna. Mm -hmm. You bring all of the ingredients here to Freedom House on Tuesday at around 4 or 5, the volunteers get here. We assign a resident that's living here at the house to be your helper. And then you guys prepare the meal in our kitchen here at Freedom cool. House cool. Um, with Freedom residents helping because I remember when I got sober, Yeah. I knew how to make top ramen yeah. and toast. Yeah. And I had, when I got sober, I had three kids and a husband. Yeah. So I had to be taught and stuff. they were like, mom, we don't, we're kind of <laughs> over Pop-tarts, yeah. cereal. Yeah. And so to learn to cook is a That's life skill. Yeah. Absolutely overwhelming. So this is one of the life skills. We love to pair up a community member with a resident 
and teach them how to follow a recipe. You sure. know, teach them how to cook an actual meal and not just heat up a frozen meal or whatnot. Right. So it takes about 30 volunteers a month to run Freedom House that I coordinate. Um, each girl that lives here has what's called a Freedom Friend. Um, and it's their own personal mentor. They each have their own. And so they meet with them once a week, have coffee or just talk have a healthy friend that right. that says when I sh- when I'm going to be there at noon they're actually going to show up at noon yeah. and so that's super important to just give yeah. them um, healthy friends and surround them with women that are going to cheer for them and encourage them and pray for them so super blessed I could go on all day about yeah. different miracles from the carpet to our washer and dryer brand new that's out there I mean God is good yeah. and he provides and um, we don't have a monthly income literally we do we've been operating for 13 months now 9,000 a month just wow. by God bringing in miracles um, yeah. every day I'll check I was telling you about getting a knock on the front door yeah. one day you should tell that story okay. that's a cool story that's a cool story. okay so it was the you know we had been open only four or five months it was the end of the fall last year and um, I was in the office looking at the bills, one of them being from NSTAR, you know, natural gas, our heat here. And we didn't have enough money in our bank account to write the $650 something check to pay the heating bill. And I could hear the girls sitting out in the living room and they're laughing and, you know, they are living life and they are clean and sober. And I remember sitting in my office saying to the Lord, I don't know how we're going to pay this bill. And I remember saying, I know you didn't bring us this far. <laughs> to close the doors now, like, but just thinking, how are we going to come up with the money? Um, And this is just one of many, many bills, you know, and that same time I I get a knock on the door. We have this lovely security system and I look up on the screen and I see a gentleman standing at the front door. So I go out of my office and open the door and all the girls are sitting out there and um, he hands me an envelope and says, my grandma wanted me to drop this off. And so I take the envelope back into the office and open it up. And there is a check in there for $10,000. Wow. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Like knock on the door. God's saying, I got you. Don't, you know, but we just have to be faithful and saying yes. And I scream from the office. So all the girls come running back and I'm showing (laughs) them and they're just like, you know, they get a witness these miracles. They literally know that they are living in a house that is a miracle house. And I have people, even, you know, unbelievers, they'll walk in and say, you know, the hair on the back of my neck stands up. Like I can feel the presence of God here in this home because his presence, because this is his home and his presence is here. And so, um, that's just one of the many testimonies that how we are where we're at today. And just excited to be part of this community that I grew up in, that I robbed and stole from, that I abused, and now get to be a light and get to help and get to give back to this community. So, Yeah, I think what you're doing is super cool. Like, I I know I keep going back to this, but I would have been extremely overwhelmed. I don't think I could have ever had the courage to do this, but it's it's awesome to be able to see you just really with a lot of courage move forward and meet this need and continue to because it it probably doesn't I mean at times it might be somewhat easier but it probably is never easy I know when I said earlier so kind of offhandedly and I knew like that was a stupid question when I asked it earlier but I was like so is this kind of your full-time gig and you're kind of like oh yeah (laughs) yeah I was like yeah that was I look around and it's this beautiful home and there's all these people all these beds and there's all these new projects I know we walked around the hope wing and there's undergoing construction so I thought well yeah no duh man of course (laughs) it is and then some and I think the community the central peninsula Soldatna is so blessed to have this resource especially as you know you took so much time to be able to kind of go around Alaska and see what a a faith-based house looks like and then kind of adjust it specifically to Soldatna. I know there's a six-bed transitional nine-month stay that people can have not always needing that if somebody is in need of help or somebody knows somebody else, because I know this is for women, it's not co-ed. If somebody knows a loved one that needs help and Freedom House, this faith-based recovery program, transitional living program, if they're in need of that, how can somebody get to you? Yes. First, I want to give out our number here at the house um, in the office. It's 907 260 
3733. Um, I have prayed with more mamas that are weeping, you know, because this epidemic is, it's horrific. It's everywhere. It's all over our community. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you're a parent of a loved one struggling, do not give up hope, man. I don't care how dark it looks. If they are still breathing, there is still hope. And you give me a call and we're going to pray with you and help you navigate this crazy journey together. But if you're someone um, that wants to get help, you know, yourself, you can go to our website. The first step to get into Freedom House is filling out an application. I usually don't talk much about it, like fill out this application because that's going to give me what I need to then schedule an interview um, to then either offer you a bed here or say, you know what, um, inpatient would be better. Let's help you get plugged into the necessary, what you need first type of deal. But um, go to our website. We have a button on there that says applications. You can literally click it, print it out where you're at right now, fax it to us, send it to us, give me a call, drop it off. Um, once we get that application in our hot little hands, we schedule an interview and get you on the way in or to the way to help. So our website again is freedomhouse907.com. And if there are other people that wanting to volunteer or other organizations looking to partner, do they also go to your website? Is that the best way to do that? Um, or call me. Um, our email address is on the website as well, but we right now could use some sheet rockers um, for upstairs in our construction. What else did I tell you? Oh, we have a couple doors, doors that need, need to in. be hung. Yep. So if you know how to hang doors, um, we want people that know what they're doing Sure. Yeah. <laughs> for yeah. that part. Yeah. Um, just because this house is beautiful. It's so beautiful. Now. I know. I was looking around and I thought, I didn't really think like I'm going to move into this all women's house, but I kind of <laughs> thought like, man, like... Maybe we could trade because yes. it's like so beautiful. Oh, yeah, it's actually better than any house I've ever lived in. Yeah, you know, I've <laughs> yeah. got a nice yeah. house, but this house. Yeah. Okay, every beautiful. countertop in this whole home is granite. Yeah, no, We're talk, I noticed that top right of the away. line. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> I mean it's so beautiful. And if also you know if you're if you want to take a tour, um, you can call and schedule that through me. Um, you know we do tours through the home, and all, Tuesday nights are open to the public as well. Um, if you want to come have dinner in chapel with us Tuesday night, 630 to 830, swing on in. Yeah. One thing we're learning, you know, especially as more data comes out about, especially the opioid epidemic, but drug abuse in general, is that it's so pervasive at this point. If it's not like you personally or somebody you are close with, it's some, it's your friend who is then somebody is very close with. It's, it's no longer, uh something that's at an arm's distance it's very close it's a community thing and i really don't see any reason why people shouldn't be aware if you're in the soldatna area the kenai area even the peninsula area of why people should not be aware of freedom house and all that it has to offer and all of its great resources and even just to come down and kind of look at it and kind of just hear Jen's story really as well because it's been so cool for me. I had known just a little bit about it, but the whole time I was very impressed and just kind of trying to wrap my mind around how this comes to be in like just a couple years. Super awesome. So I would go to their website and look at that, freedomhouse907.com, as well as uh, maybe get in touch with Jen. Yes. So... So it's been awesome, Soldatna area, speaking to you guys. Again, keep us in your prayers because we're on the front lines, you know, fighting this battle every single day. But um, our God is greater. Thank you so much. This is Eric and Jen Waller here at uh, Freedom House today. This was a Change for the Kenai podcast. Thank you very much. Mm